definitely say it is my fault for not having my pal and our pal Lynn St. James on the show more often. She and I catch up somewhat regularly. And so I guess that's why it hasn't stood out so much that I need to have her on. Looked back and realized that this episode, which I believe is episode 1016, she was making her first appearance in the very first year of the show. So her first episode 71, and then the last, I believe, was episode 221, 222. So epic failure on my part for not having our pal Lynn on more often. But here she is, decided to do a catching up with episode, our somewhat short form interview show here, I think mid late December or so. And we opened talking about, hey, it's time. She is being honored more and more often for her achievements in the sport. Biggest one I would say coming is at Amelia Island, the big concours and vintage event in Florida. That's been pushed back just a little bit. Just saw that announcement. But nonetheless, Lynn is the celebrated featured person. She follows behind Roger Penske. So not bad company at all. And then we check in with Lynn knowing that she is a true OG in terms of women's advancement in the sport, both on the driving side, crew side, mechanical, engineering, everything. Check in with her just to get some insights, the development she's seen in the last year or two, and also decide to close checking in on a topic that she and I definitely got into heavily when it was announced, that being the W Series, knowing that they are kicking off their second season here. Got some updates from Lynn on how she views the series she was once not too keen on. So, altogether, love spending time with Lynn and as unfiltered as always. So, here we go with the amazing Lynn St. James, all brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Lynn, one of the things that I love about newish things for us to discuss. It is the fact that you are receiving more recognition for your contribution to the sport and not just for the legacy standpoint, right? We've known that since you did your last Indy 500 and such 20-ish years ago that you have taken on a new and different heightened role in the sport. You mentioned uh, the Women's Sports Foundation and for so many years trying to raise money to help advance the next generation of female drivers. But there's also been this recent wave, and I hope it keeps going, of, hey, come out to this event. We're going to be honoring Lynn St. James for her contributions to the sport behind the the steering wheel and outside of the car. Tell us about that, pal, because that, I think, is kind of cool. Not everybody gets their proverbial day in the sun, and I hope you get many, but... How does that feel? Do you like it? Is uh, it weird? What What is it's it? It's weird. I tell you, I that's weird. And this year has been. I mean, here I am. You know, not not sure I'll ever get in a race car again because of what I'm dealing with and physically and and you know, and COVID and I can't see my friends. I, I don't have that high that we get from just going to the races and everything. And then, you know, and then Bill Warner calls me and I'm like, Hey, Bill, how you doing? You know, and we chat for a while and then he goes, you know, well, I got a, I got a business proposition for you. And I'm like, Oh good. I'm always up for a business proposition. We'd like you to be the honoree at at Amelia Island in 2021. I mean, dead silence. It takes a lot to shut me up. Dead silence. And he waits and he waits and he goes, does this mean you need to think about it? (laughs) (laughs) Cause this isn't the, uh, the Poughkeepsie auto museum honoree of 2021. 
I mean, the freaking Amelia Island. I mean, I'm just saying that's one of those things where you go, whoa, I got to I, I got to dr- get dressed up properly for this one. And so then I said, I said, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> and he goes, why not? And then he starts rattling off my accomplishments, you know, and I'm like, holy shit, you know. And so that one was an over the top, but I'm still not, to be honest, I'm not sure that I really comprehended it. I mean, now they start wanting pictures of my helmet, you know, and stuff. I'm like, okay, this is real. So, and then of course the Sebring Hall of Fame. I mean, uh, you're right. I, I, you know, I never, I've never, I've never looked for accolades, you know, and, and, and I've, God, I've been there to so many of the, I mean, I've been to a number of millions and I mean, hell, Roger Penske this year. And, and these are my Who? heroes. You know never I mean? heard of them. <laughs> but, you know, so, you know, I'm, I've, I've, I have, fun, I mean, I'm a member of the RRDC and, you know, and Rolex, you know, many years ago honored me with some ads and, you know, for my success on the racetrack. And so they, I get invited back, you know, and, and so, I mean, I, I feel very welcomed and to be part of the fraternity, you know, of the sport and, but never to be like this. And so you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm shell-shocked to a certain degree and I, and it couldn't for personally, and I, and I hope you take this right. I mean, I, it couldn't happen at a better time because of, because of where my head is at about, you know, what I am going through. So it was like, because to me, there was always the next race. I mean, when I, when I won a vintage race at Thunder Hill a few, number of years ago now, actually, but I mean, I got a picture of that where, I mean, I am so beaming and happy, you know, I mean, I hadn't won a race in a long time. And so, you know, I'm always about that next race and, and, and either, either setting, you know, the quick time in the car or the quickest I've ever gone in the car or getting out a podium or, you know, it's those kinds of, you know, accomplishments that mean something to a racer. Halls of Fame or honorees or particularly at significant, you know, events like that are, are never, ever a bit on my radar. And so, so anyway, it, it's, um, and, and you're right about, I, you know, I've, I've, you know, like NASCAR's given me the ambassador of the year award. I mean, I know that I've been honored in a number of occasions for the, for the work that I've done in the sport for, you know, for the benefit of others or to, and all of that. And I appreciate those. I don't mean to discard them at all, but these last few are more like it's a combination. It is, damn it. This has also got to do with her behind the wheel, you know, and those are the most, those are the cool, I mean, those are the coolest. So and the thing I wanted to add to that, Lynn, and of the many reasons that I loved seeing you designated as the honoree at Amelia Island, and as you mentioned, Sebring Hall of Fame and so on, it hasn't been uncommon in racing for a woman to be uh, added to or nominated for a Hall of Fame in their respective discipline. Right. And there's a lot of amazing women who've raced throughout Europe, whether it's open wheel rally sports car. I mean, again, uh, here in many forms often though, those are pioneer type recognitions, right? Uh, this woman did this thing, which was groundbreaking, uh, or did this thing that is well known and somewhat famous. And therefore we want to recognize her for that. <laughs> you Uh, I think of with this growing wave of recognition and and honorings coming your way, you fit a bit of a a different, and I would say more rare space, Lynn, in these 
honorings are coming for the totality of your career. And that is different than, ah, she was the first to do that. Again, overstating the obvious, there's a million men in a variety of racing hall of fames who are there for the totality of their careers. Not many women who had a long and sustained and successful career. Uh, Shirley Muldowney is one who comes to mind, right? Despite whatever groundbreaking pioneering thing she might've done, she wasn't there for a year or two years. Uh, she didn't do 10 events. She was a badass well, for a long time. I'm just thinking there aren't many. Well, I think you're, well, I think you're in a way, I think where you're going with it and you're right. And I've, I've kind of chuckled at it sometimes because I realized that I don't fit a category, you know, is it just sports car, you know, for the wins at Daytona and Sebring and, you know, Le Mans to go to Le Mans and all that, or, you know, I, I certainly, am, I don't know. I, I don't fit a category. You're right. Cause I, I did a variety of things. It's really three time world champion. I mean, the first person to win three, you know, world championships. And so it's hard sometimes for other people to wrap their heads around it, but I don't, I mean, that's not my problem. I mean, I, I just did what I did and, and I'm, I am truly honored. We've been going through a pretty interesting time in society in the world this year. Uh, there's been some pretty interesting reckonings. Is that the way to put it of women being viewed in a correct light or more folks viewing women in a correct light, uh, people of color. And there seems to be a, a modernization happening in the mindset of a lot of folks that we know of that we've been hoping for racing world. Isn't perfect. Everything isn't equal yet, but you've been one of the few long-standing people who've been on that proverbial wall trying to hold the line and advance the line towards making this sport that you love and have dedicated your life to something that is a, a more accurate reflection of real life. What are your general thoughts on what we've seen in some areas of progress of trying to bring more women into the sport, people of color into the sport over the last year, two years? Is it anything like what you'd hoped? I can't answer it in that exact terms as far as what I'd hope as opposed to what it should be, in my opinion. I mean, I guess it is my opinion, but it's a really difficult question to answer because when you look at it from one perspective, which is, as a, as a competitor in the sport, as a person that's been in the sport for over 40 years, as a, as a fan and as observer and as a competitor, you know, I truly know that from a, a inhuman or non-human standpoint, there's no discrimination in our sport. I mean, car doesn't know the difference. You know, the elements that it takes to get into the sport and to be successful in the sport are not defined by gender or race or other ethnic racial you know, on filled out or, you know, fill in all the blanks of those types of discriminatory categories. Um, so that's why one of the reasons that I truly love the sport and, and actually probably even attracted me in the beginning, besides the fact that it was being around a lot of neat people, is the fact that the physicality can define an athlete so, so purposefully. I, I love to play tennis. I... <laughs> But, you know, when you're not physically endowed to play a lot of other sports or to play other specific sports, you're out of the game. Um, where I found in racing, there was this sort of opportunity that as long as you were physically capable of driving the car, but the more, you know, more muscle didn't make you go faster. 
or unless you were too tall or too short. I mean, there were some defining maybe physical things that could just, and even we've had some of those, quite frankly, I say that, and then it quickly comes to mind Rico and Tommy Kendall and some of the really tall guys and some of the really short guys yeah. <laughs> that also get that done. So I, I mean, really, as long as you're physically fit, strong enough, got a good head, you know, good brain reaction time. I mean, there does take a lot of physical components, but, but again, those are not defined by gender or by race or by other ethnic or you know social things. So I, I loved that sort of cleanliness, I guess I'd call it, about the way the sport is. But what it does require is an amazing commitment and passion for it, a determination, an ability to not be um, not be uh, deterred from disappointment because you're going to be a lot more disappointed than you are going to be, you know, rewarded, um, and all that stuff. So. So as an observer from the 70s, particularly on, you know, I, I, I am amazed that we haven't had more success with gender, you know, integration of gender and race and, and all of that. I mean, we certainly have be, we certainly have become much more international in our it's always been an international sport. But I think our acceptance you know, the, of international and integration has gone really is much better today than it's been in the past. Um, but it still boils down then to me to numbers and there's only so many competitive. I mean, fortunately or in a way there's so many different forms of racing today. You know, there's, I mean, and I think that has opened the, the floodgates to a certain degree, whether it's drifting, whether it's off road, whether it's SRO, whether it, I mean, go on down the list now of the types of motorsports that exist that I think has really opened the doors for Asians and African-Americans and women. Um, you know, that, that rally, there's a rally for women only of which they have, you know, 500 competitors. I mean, so there's so many different forms of motorsports today that have, enabled so many different types of people to get excited and, and participate and be successful in the sport. But it, then it boils down to, okay, where's the cream of the crop? Where's the top levels? So there's NASCAR, there's IndyCar, there's NHRA, there's, you know, you, I mean, there's that those top levels that the media follow, that the fans are aware of, whether they're really hardcore fans or just people that follow media. You know, it's like, if you aren't in those categories, you don't exist in their, in their, eyes and of course a lot of those eyes then are young girls or or young you know hispanic or young african-american people that if, if you don't see it you can't be it if i hadn't seen shirley muldowney drag racing in when i started in the 70s but if i to be honest the most pivotal thing that got me was when billy jean king beat bobby riggs i mean i was never going to be a great tennis player at that level but when i saw her do that and I was going to the races and I was a crew member for my husband and making sandwiches and keeping timing and scoring. And then I'm like, damn, I really like to drive and I really like to drive fast. And so I think without consciously thinking about it, when I look back, I may have one time said to myself, hey, she can do that. I can get in my Pinto and drive a race, <laughs> drive a race car. Yeah. So, you know, you have to see it to be it. And we're seeing more females now. But I think the next step, I mean, it takes a volume of people to, to, of that type, of any type of person to sort of flood the gates to be able to then displace the other ones that are there. But I, I think we need leadership, and I've said this for a long time, and I'm going to say it again, is that we need the leaders of the sport, the sanctioning bodies, the team owners, to step up and go, this is something we should do. It'll, it'll grow the sport. And when I say this is something we should do, we should provide some opportunities. We should provide some incentives. We should look beyond our own mirrored image of ourselves to realize that there are other people out there that could probably get the job done and that could with some opportunity and with some support. You know, one thing that stands out is 
interesting, Lynn, is just thinking about your career arc. We've spoken about it many times. We've dedicated podcasts to it. You've written a book about it. You've <laughs> spoken to many people uh, in person about this. But it's the it's the ongoing effort to, as you said, uh, you've got to, uh, uh, what did you say? You've got to uh, see it to be it. You've been in that space for a long time, even when you weren't necessarily embraced in being that person, the woman. I mean, that's the thing that always strikes me as fascinating about you, Lynn, and your resolve. You've been the, right? (laughs) Not one of many, but for a considerable amount of your career, you were the woman in that Trans Am race, in that IMSA race, in IndyCar, whatever it was. And you found a way to be that person, be that athlete, and also weather a lot of stupidity aimed at you uh, from men, and also be an advocate for hope for the future, that there would be more Lynn St. James. And obviously there are women that came before you, and after and such, but that's an element of your character that I, I don't know if folks understand enough or appreciate enough because we see a lot of younger women today athletically, uh, but also young women in racing too, really holding that similar viewpoint of whether you like it or not, I'm here, I belong, I deserve to be. Tell me a little bit about that because that's a pretty complicated thing for you to hold and maintain throughout your career. That's being practiced today, which is awesome. That's not something most race drivers have to have floating around in their head and spirit, though, while trying to do their jobs. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting to see Bubba's reaction, you know, this year to then being that target, you know, being that that one. Um, and then and then I think he really had the he realized he, he needed to step up um, and that not everybody can do that or is comfortable doing that without. But I think for me, all those those couple of two or three decades, I guess, where I, well, you're right, is that I, you know, I learned somehow, I, I knew why I was doing what I was doing. And I never lost, well, I almost did a few times, but 99.9% of the time, I never lost sight of that. And then I realized really pretty early that everybody else had a different opinion about why I was doing it or whether I should or shouldn't or whatever. And I did spend what was probably a waste of time trying to convince a few others I'll leave that out for right now, but you know, convince a few others that this was an opportunity to benefit them, and you know, wasn't and why I was doing it, and not to be the woman driver and all that. But so I just I quit worrying about what anybody else was thinking, and I, I tried to respect or at least honor or acknowledge the fact that everybody could have their own opinion, and if, but if they didn't know me well enough to know why, then that's their problem and not mine. I mean, I, I stayed focused, Marshall, on, on my mission of personal, you know, of my personal love and passion and desire. And then, you know, when I did get sort of to IndyCar and got a little more successful and more visible because society, you know, I, I mean, IndyCar obviously is so much more visible, period, is then when I accepted it, it was a responsibility. And I think a lot of that also came from my work with the Women's Sports Foundation and understanding that, you know, Billie Jean King literally saying to you, to all of us, you are the most powerful while you are competing. And, and it isn't just about you. It, 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 you can make a difference in the world. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty awesome call to action. 
yeah. And I mean, there's no wiggle room there <laughs> unless you just want to go hide. And so, you know, that's when I had to then walk to two lines. I had to walk that responsibility line. And to be honest, I actually, it was, it empowered me when I realized when I met Sarah Sensky, when I met Danica Patrick, when I met Sarah Fisher, when I met Melanie Troxler, when I met, you know, Aaron Crocker, when I started to reach out and then meet these young drivers, other female drivers who were really aspirational and struggling. And I mean, then I, you know, it, it actually ended up empowering me. She was right. And it, and it, it gave me a whole new energy that part to a certain degree, I think, sustained me, you know, into those later years in the 90s when I probably should have basically given up. But um, but my own. So it fed me, but it was still it was still coming from me. You know what I'm trying to say? So it didn't. But it, it added energy. It added more motivation for me to to do my best and to make a difference and to make sure I did it right and well and all that stuff so and but not feel like I was bad I never really felt like I was battling except for with some instances with some team owners or people that you know if if I had to deal with somebody who was what I call responsible for my success meaning you know to get me from where I was to where I knew I could go whether it was victory circle or on the podium or that next year's deal you know I had to deal with those people um because they were instrumental in my success but you know everybody else I just said either come along and enjoy my ride, you know, with me and, and help me and, or, or get out of my way, you know? So Lynn, I know that when the W series was initially launched or announced, you and I had some conversations where two of us were rather skeptical about segregating women into a series of their own and the benefits and whatnot. I know that having seen the product, uh, my view has changed. Uh, I know that you, I believe you as well, have uh, had an evolution of, of views on the W series would just be curious on your thoughts now as they're going to head into season two in 2021 an expanded calendar we're looking forward to hear about but most importantly uh, attached to formula one formula one saying we want you to be with us for all of your races therefore in theory putting you in front of the biggest possible audience motor racing has to offer uh, either whether it's attendance or just the the cosine of the W series uh, as legitimate, would just love to get your thoughts uh, on how your view of the W series has evolved, and where and what you think this Formula One endorsement uh, in support series attachment might do for this cause you've been dedicating your life towards. You know, I was reluctant at the beginning and at the announcement and um, had some reservations, but I was actually very pleased that they invited me to be on the selection process. I got to see it with my own eyes, and so that's what really changed my point of view. I realized, A, how committed they were, how the intentions were actually as a ladder, a step on the ladder, not about changing, you know, overall that women should just be racing against women, and so it was, it was done for the right reasons and it had the right support and funding and some of the key people were really you know were really important people that knew what the hell they were doing so change that um and then of course watching that first season i mean it was some great races and 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 then you looked you know when 2020 happened formula one announced then that they were going to uh invite the w series to be a support race for a few races and then of course 2020 got completely turned upside down um but what I did really observe with just absolute joy was the fact that a number of the drivers, Alice Powell, um, uh, Jamie, Jamie Chadwick, Chadwick uh, yeah. 
and Adrian, I can't remember all their names, but three or four or five of them actually went on to race successfully in other forms of motorsports, which is exactly what Catherine Bondmuir said would happen and who, who founded the series. So um, it wasn't just either, it wasn't just providing them with this fantastic opportunity that didn't cost them any money and that actually earned some money, but then it would leverage them to be able to get into other seats and, and show well, which is exactly what happens. So I think their contribution to women in motorsports right now is huge. And I think it's also helped generate more interest for others. And so I, you know, I applaud what they're doing. And for 2021, my understanding is they've been announced to be a support race for eight of the races. Even the Women in Motorsports Commission, I think, was somewhat reluctant in the beginning or was critical of them in the beginning. And, and, and so people are coming around. The right people are coming around. And so I see it as um, is all good stuff. Again, if you can see it, you can be it. So now that's going to put them in a, you know, they were a support race with the sedans. I forget DTM. What Thank you. <laughs> and that put them in a lot of eyeballs, in front of a lot of eyeballs. I mean, I think anybody in motorsports that knows anything at all, that even if they have their head up there, you know what? is that there's no reason that a woman can't drive a race car as successfully as a man. I don't even think that's a challenged issue anymore. But it's just still a case of um, how many people are seeing them be competitive so that the, the sponsors and the fans and the media and people that are maybe not as queued up about racing can actually believe that women can be that successful. So um, I'm excited. Big thanks once again to Lynn for spending some time uh, she's amazing. Just amazing. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Plenty more of these catching up with episodes that are going to be coming through more frequently Been getting asked for more of them and I'm just happy to do it. So more coming. Hope you got some ideas and maybe those you want to hear from in the sport. Send those my way at Marshall Pruitt on the good old Twitters is the best place or the Marshall Pruitt podcast Facebook page. Other than that, well, I am MP. Thanks once again to you for listening, and most of all, thanks to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com.